Broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Yes, I believe so. Uh, I believe that, you know, the with especially just looking at first at uh, Henry and Brian and them taking the steps to toward being the players that we all know that they can be. Um, two very talented young guys that, you know, just need to continue to grind and continue to be on their processes in order to really see the success that they want to see. Um, I feel like the offensive line uh, is really going to be good this year. Uh, I know that, you know, a lot of guys have shifted, but, you know, just seeing how Andre James is taking control of the room and Colton uh, and how those guys are setting a high standard. And, uh, you know, with Denzel being here, Richie, you know, leading the way, going into year 17, I believe. So I really believe in the offensive line and what they're building. And, uh, yeah, I believe that, you know, we get Foster really comes into his own and shows who, us who he can be. And you got guys like John Brown, Willie. Uh, you get Kenyon out there who's going to be incredibly explosive. So I, I like what we have this year. Well, if Darren Waller likes what he sees, how can you argue with that? By the way, how much better can Darren Waller get? It's kind of crazy to ask that, um, given what he's done these last few years. And I still kind of marvel at Darren Waller. Um, You know, I have talked about this quite often before coming here to cover the Raiders. uh, And I jumped on board in... 2019, November of 2019, right? Like the middle of, of, of November. Um, I, to be honest with you, you know, covering the Rams and you get so tunnel vision on the team that you're covering wasn't, I knew that I would kept hearing the name Darren Waller. Actually, back it up a little bit. That year, earlier that year, in training camp, the Rams went up to Napa Valley to practice against the Raiders um, prior to playing them in the uh, opening game of the preseason. So got a chance for two days uh, to watch the Rams practicing against uh, the Raiders. And, of course, I'm focused on the Rams, but there was a dude that was making a lot of plays. I'm like, who the heck is that guy? And it was Darren Waller. Like, I just, Darren Waller, oh, oh. Um, kind of sound like he's, they signed him off the practice squad from the Ravens the year before. Um, didn't know much about him, didn't know his story uh, whatsoever. Uh, but as the year went on, you know, the Rams went in their direction. The Raiders went in their direction. I did my thing. The Raiders did their thing. Just kind of hearing about it on a weekly, you know, Darren Waller, another big game, Darren Waller. How's that guy in training camp? You know, um, that caught caught my attention. And then for him to do what he did that year and then last year, there were times last year where – Darren Waller just looked unstoppable. I mean, it was literally at the point where it didn't matter who was defending him. didn't matter how many people were defending him. There were also times where, <laughs> you know, and I remember Derek Carr talking about this after games. Like, dude, if you're going to let, if you're going to defend Darren Waller that way, yeah, you, you bet you, 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 you bet you, you're, you know what, sorry about not being able to get that out. I'm going to be going to Darren Waller. If you're going to single cover him like that, I forget which games uh, it, it was. There was one in particular where, for whatever reason, the defensive coordinator said, "Well, we're going to stop." <laughs> Apparently, it was we're going to stop everybody else but Darren Waller. We're going to just go one on one with Darren Waller, and you know, Darren Waller chewed him up and spit him out because that's what he's capable of doing. 
and you know a quarterback as good as Derek Carr when he sees the matchup like that where you're really going to try to just continually defend this guy one on one I'm going to throw the ball up to him every chance I get and that's the thing about Darren Waller is that he's faster than a lot of the people that are defending him he's taller than a lot of people that are defending him He's longer than a lot of the people that are defending him. He can jump higher than a lot of the uh, defenders that are that are lined up opposite him. He's bigger and stronger than the guys that are, are trying to defend him. And when I say guys, sometimes it's one, sometimes it's two. And then he's also, with the ball, just a dynamic athlete. This guy is really, really good. And, you know, you hope for his sake – that he's able to show it on a on a on a much bigger show, um, stage, the playoffs. Feel like that for for you know Derek Carr as well. Want to see what Derek Carr can do on a good team in a playoff situation. You know when when everything is riding on your performance. Do you step up and deliver? Does Darren Waller step up and deliver? I think both of those players have the capability of doing that, and in. Derek's uh, case, doing it would probably change the narrative that a lot of people might have uh, of him. He just hasn't had that opportunity uh, to, to play at that level, to play on that stage. It's not his fault. I just read something. I forget where it was, but somebody was talking about how Derek Carr is like way up there when it comes to game-winning drives. You don't think that when you think about Derek Carr now, do you? Well, I mean, part of that is because, unfortunately, the Raiders have been in far too many games where they need a dramatic offensive game-winning drive to win. You know, you'd rather it be a bunch of blowouts more often than not, right? Uh, but because of the situation that Derek Carr is in, has been in, uh, especially you know since 2016, unfortunately, um, to win games, sometimes it takes miraculous comebacks to do it. And he's way up there in the NFL in doing that. So he definitely has that ability. There's some ice in his veins when it comes to those situations, which is why I kind of have to scratch my head at some of Raider Nation and the feelings that they have for Derek Carr. I remember last year, we talk about it all the time, those three games against the Chiefs and the Dolphins and, the and well, not the Chargers because that was uh, Marcus Mariota, but kind of the same situation where Derek Carr and the offense left a lead late in the game, charging down the field to go score a huge touchdown or kick a huge field goal. That's what they did against the Miami Dolphins at the behest of John Gruden. Because remember what happened against the Chiefs. They scored a touchdown, left a little bit too much time left on the clock. The defense couldn't handle its job or take care of, take care of business. Patrick Mahomes scores the game-winning touchdown with, what, a minute or so left or under a minute, whatever the case was. So the next time around, just a couple, few weeks later, almost the same exact situation against the Miami Dolphins. And the Miami Dolphins are saying, yeah, we'll give you the touchdown. Uh, we want more time on the clock to be able to score the game-winning touchdown. And the Raiders said, nah, we've already been down that path before. We're going to 
bleed the clock here, force the Buffalo Bill or the Miami Dolphins to you know uh, use all of their timeouts, and we'll kick a field goal to go ahead. And that's what they did. With what it was nineteen seconds left in the game, kicked it out of the end zone. The Raiders are up. Their car did his job. Put a, put the team ahead. There's 19 seconds left in the game. The Miami Dolphins are starting at their own 25. They don't have any timeouts. That's a win, right? No. Not that night. Unfortunately, the defense couldn't get the job done. The Miami Dolphins with Fitzpatrick drive down the field, kick a game, winning a field goal. Devastating loss for the Raiders, just as it was a devastating loss against the Kansas City Chiefs, just as it was a devastating loss against the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, but Derek Carr did his job. So interested to see what Derek Carr can do on the biggest stage. But getting back to Darren Waller, 90 catches, 1,145 yards, three touchdowns in his breakthrough year. Prior to that, his season high in catches was 10 with the 2016 Baltimore Ravens. The year before that, in four games with the Raiders, who had kind of taken him off the scrap heap, six catches, 75 yards. Who could have saw what Darren Waller was about to become from 2018 to 2019? From six catches to 90 catches. From six targets to 117 targets. And then the following year, last year, 107 catches, 1,196 yards, nine touchdowns, 145 targets. 28 years old, still in his prime, basically just starting his prime. Can you imagine if he has another gear, another level to get to? And I think he actually does. But even just that, those numbers put him right there with the best tight ends in the NFL. What a weapon Darren Waller is. And, you know, he talked about last yesterday when we talked to him about getting better, even though he already is about as good as it gets. And here's Darren Waller talking about, hey, there's there's room to grow. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, all, it's always a, a challenge. Um, especially at this point, naturally as a human being, if you do things at a, at a fairly high level for a good bit, amount of time, you want to naturally kind of kick your feet back and kind of, you know, coast a little bit. But for now, for me, it's just like doing the opposite. It's more, it's, it's watching even more tape of anybody that I can get my eyes and hands on and uh, just look at any little thing that I can to improve my game, uh, the smallest details. Uh, it's really just diving in deeper than I ever have before and realizing that you know, if I want to continue to have a successful career, you know, the steps to doing that are infinite. And there's never a chance for me to kind of just kick back and just, you know, cruise on autopilot. I always have to make sure that, you know, the same work ethic I came in with with the team when they first claimed me, uh, I have to continue to approach the game with that sense of urgency. When Darren Waller expresses himself and categorizes his quest as a sense of urgency. How can anybody else on this team not follow suit and not look at their own situations with a sense of urgency? Darren Waller 
by all rights is not operating with a sense of urgency. This guy's if he's not the best tight end in the NFL, he's number one or, or you know, 1B, 1C. You know, Kittle, Kelsey, Waller, whatever order you want to put those three players in, they're all three of them are right up there. And, you know, I can't say that one is better than the other or that Darren Waller is better than those guys are, but it's hard to say that those two guys are better than Darren Waller. They, let's just celebrate all three of them for being the fantastic football players uh, that they are. But the fact is that Darren Waller approaches year three with the Raiders, essentially. Yeah, he played a few games in, in 2018, but essentially he's going into his year three as one of the stars of the NFL, as one of the great weapons of the NFL. And he's talking about things in terms of a sense of urgency. You know, everyone's on their own kind of journey. We all know that. But if you're Henry Ruggs, if you're Brian Edwards, and you hear the best player on your offense, the best skill player on your offense, talking about the infinite ways that you could still get better, the challenges of that, and operating with a sense of urgency – that's how you get to other levels. That's how you find other levels that maybe you didn't even know you were capable of doing. It's operating under the assumption that I have to get better or else. <laughs> or else. Like, I got to get it done right now. Or else. That's what a sense of urgency is. Like, it has to happen. It has to happen right now. I can't waste one second of time not trying to get better. And one of the things that Darren Waller talked about was studying tape, diving in, digging further, trying to find um, the advantages. And it's football, sports. It's just a matter of inches 99% of the time. There's not much that separates great players or talented players or athletic players. It's the mental side of things. It's the want to. It's the work ethic. It's operating at a with a sense of urgency, even though you're one of the more celebrated players already in your sport. You're arguably the best tight end in the game. But the great ones don't settle even for that. And the great ones also understand there always is room to get better. We talk all the time about guys like Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson and the greats of the NBA not focusing on what they do great during off-seasons, but shoring up the things that they don't do great. Now, I look at Darren Waller, and I have to say, hmm, is there anything that the guy doesn't do really well? It's hard to see any it's I, I don't see any warts. And I'm sure most fans don't see any warts, but I'm sure he does. I'm sure he understands like I have a my cousin, uh, uh Larry, Larry Benzel, what's up, Larry? Uh is a construction he owns a construction company. Very, very good at what he does. I can't do I my mind doesn't operate on that level. Um I can't think along those lines. I just, just I don't have it. You know, so um, a few years ago, needed a uh, t an add-on room at the house, 
And of course, my cousin who owns a construction company, that's who else would I go to with, right? And so he builds this beautiful extension to the house. Like it's, it's, it's kind of a man cave type extra room, you know, and it was just, it came out beautiful. And I'm just, it's completed, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in there and he's there with me and I'm just marveling at it. And to me, it was perfect. And it, and it really truly was. But as he's looking around it after it's all said and done, he was picking out little tiny little things that, oh, how did I miss that? Or I should have done this, you know, and it just, it was like, what? I don't even know where, like, what? What are you talking about? And it still wasn't good enough, even though it was like spectacular what my cousin did to that room. Out of nothing, like he, it was just an open space that he created this beautiful room. It was immaculate. But he saw the little warts that people that can't see things on those terms can't, like myself. So when you look at a Darren Waller, to the average, to me, I'm sure to a lot of fans, he's as close to a perfect player as you possibly get. Like what warts are there with Darren Waller? This is a guy that you can count on. You can just ex- you can. Make him the focal point of your offense. You could feed him, and he's going to respond. He, you want to throw it up in one-on-one situations. He's going to go get it. You want him to do something with that with the catch, throwing it in stride. He's going to outrun people. He's as close to a perfect tight end as there is in this league right now, on this planet. But I guarantee you that that, that Waller is looking at himself, well, I could do this, I could do that, I could do this. He knows. And what's even better, he's determined to fix it. Whatever it is that he feels like not necessarily holding him back, but preventing him from being even better, he's going to work on it. And that's a message that if you're a young player on this team, and make no mistake, Darren Waller is – 28 years old, he's a young man. And uh, relatively speaking, you know, with how his career started and some of the obstacles uh, that, that, you know, he encountered along the way, he's really a young player in terms of that whole thing. It's only been a couple of years where he's been putting it all together in all the right ways. Uh, and we're always happy about that for him and his quest and that journey that he's on. Um, and how he's got that fixed. But for him to talk about coming off the years that he just had, talking about a sense of urgency, that's a message that if Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards and everyone else, Josh Jacobs, anyone else on this team, in a good way should be listening to and watching and saying, that's how I want to operate as well, with a sense of of urgency you usually get places when you've got a little bit of anxiety it's okay to not be satisfied it's okay to be a little worried remember i don't know if you know this guy michael cooper played with the los angeles lakers won five championships with the lakers and was a huge part of that every single year he came to training camp every single year and this is no joke he thought he was going to get cut Like he approached, this guy was as established as you could possibly be on the Lakers. Koopaloop, Laker fans know who I'm talking about. 
every single year he reported to training camp, it was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to make the team. I better make sure I got to <laughs> My spot is not. His spot was definitely guaranteed. But he didn't look at it that way, and he never approached a practice or a training camp like that. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. It's okay to have a little anxiety and let that kind of dictate that work ethic that you operate. I don't care what it is you do in life. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. Um, just human nature, you know, we do things for a while and naturally we just want to be like, ah, okay, like I got this, like I got this figured out. But it's really re- realizing that, you know, this game isn't going to give me anything. I'm not entitled to anything just because, you know, I've, I've put a couple years together. Uh, I still have to, you know, like people say, rent is due every day. You know, I still have to show up and work just as hard and uh, just to put myself in positions because I still can't control the results at the end of the day. I still can't control a lot of things, but I can always control how my effort, my preparation, my attitude, and uh, those are the things I try to control. And me being somebody that the team wants to look to as a leader uh, with this franchise, you know, I want to display qualities that are admirable and that young players can look at and see like, okay, he's really doing it. He's really walking the walk. He's not just talking it or, you know, resting on his laurels. Remember how yesterday we talked about some people talk, other people have things to say? Darren Waller always um, has something to say, and it's worth listening to, too. There's no secret why you know he's been able to overcome some of those um, obstacles uh, that we've talked about well you know, written about and reported, uh, what he was dealing with earlier in his career to see where he was. And to see where he is now, it's nothing short of a, of a marvel. Um, I won't say a miracle because, you know, he did the work. He put the work in. And he made a decision in his life that um, the direction that it was taking where he was wasn't acceptable. He made a change. And he made sure that, um, you know, he wasn't going to let that ultimately define him. And he changed course. And look at him now. And here – him talk along the terms of, or along the lines of, hey, it's still a quest. It's still a process. There's still ways to get better. And sometimes even staying better is just continuing to do what you do at a high level for as long as you possibly can. Even that takes a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, a lot of studying, because What do you think other teams are trying to do when they defend the Raiders? They're trying to make sure that Darren Waller isn't the guy that beats them. And yet to be able to still beat them, even when defenses are are literally being constructed to, uh, to stop you, that's an art in itself. But it's also really important, makes it more, even more important why, uh, some of these young players need to take a step in the right direction. Henry uh, or uh, Henry Ruggs, you know Brian Edwards, Josh Jacobs, uh, to do their part to make this thing a collection of talent and a well-functioning unit, and so that it's not just Darren Waller. And you make teams and defenses 
make hard, hard, difficult choices on on what they're going to stop, what they're going to focus on. Uh, and if you have a Henry Ruggs and a Brian Edwards going off as well, along with some other players, uh, it just makes it it makes it it takes a really good offense, which is what the Raiders have been, to a potentially great offense. And we'll see. And it's on Henry Ruggs, it's on those young guys that we talk about uh, to to pick it up and do their end of the bargain because Darren Waller. He's a proven quantity. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line and welcome in Ben Lindsay uh, from Pro Football Focus. He was nice enough to uh, join us in the huddle. Uh, I'm a subscriber of Pro Football Focus. Uh, I urge everyone, anyone that's listening, uh, to pluck down the money to, to get it and pay for the monthly subscription. It is well worth it. If you're a football fan, if you want to understand football at a different level, if you want to be able to differentiate the good players from the okay players, the great players from the good players, uh, and in a way that truly drills it down and not just, oh, we saw this guy, you know, get 180 yards through the air last Sunday, but like, and say, oh, that's a great player, but like really figure it out and and find the reasons why some guys are better than others. Uh, Pro Football Focus does an outstanding job uh, of that, and uh, Ben is a big part of that. Ben, thanks for spending some time with us in the huddle. How are you doing, my man? No problem. I'm doing good. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. So I want to get right to it. Um, you put out your, your rankings, um, your top 32 at various position groups, and, and uh, the first one I want to talk about is the uh, edge pass rushers. Uh, it's been a huge issue, uh, I'm sure you know that, uh, for the Raiders trying to create pressure, uh, get to the quarterback, sacking the quarterback, you know, making life difficult for uh, quarterbacks. It was pretty embarrassing what this defensive line did last year with 14 sacks of the 21 sacks that the Raiders had. It's almost embarrassing to even say those numbers out loud, but it is what it is. And the Raiders have tried to fix it and tried to bring in players that are going to address that, one of which is Yannick Ngagwe. Uh, I want to say... I, I was just looking at, at your rankings. Where does Yannick rank in that top 32 for you? Yeah, I think I had him 24th. Um, but, it, yeah, he's – and it's a lot of that, pretty much all of that, is the way he can impact the passing game as a pass rusher. Uh, he's been one of the better pass rushers in the league uh, pretty much since he, since he came into the league. Um, has a really good cross shop uh, on those – clear passing downs, he's going to be a guy who's going to be able to get pressure. Uh, the, the only drawback with him really is he's, he's not all that interested in defending the run. Uh, he hasn't graded well for us there. Uh, but when you're talking about getting after the quarterback, which they're going to need their front four to get after the quarterback in that defense, uh, I think he is going to help. So, and, and what's interesting to me is now um, – Opposite Clee Farrell, and I know Clee came in at number 32, and that's understandable. The pass rushing stats just haven't been there for Clee. There's a lot of other good things uh, that he's doing. I thought he took a big step forward uh, last year in year two, in spite of what fans want to think. And I know that you know he's always going to be caught in the whole thing of, hey, he was the fourth player drafted overall. He hasn't lived up to expectations and totally understand that. But at some point, you're either a good player on your football team or you're not. You're either an asset or you're not. doesn't matter anymore where you're drafted. It's are you doing the job that your team is expecting you to do? And in some ways, Klee has. In some ways, he needs to get better. Where does he need to get better? And and you feel like he can get better in certain areas to become more of a complete player because there are some things he does really, really well. Yeah, I do think there's still room for him to improve. And the tough thing when you're you're talking about the expectations of the fourth overall pick, especially in that class with some of the guys like Brian Burns, 
Montez Sweat, um, Josh Allen, and what they've been able to do. I, I just don't think he's going to quite get – he has the, quite the same feeling as a pass rusher just from a burst athleticism standpoint. Uh, but he's defended the run really well to start his career. He showed signs of improvement as a pass rusher, and I still think there's, there's ways he can improve there with technique um, moving forward. Uh, but, yeah, he's he started to develop into a quality starter, and I think uh, there's still room uh, for him to improve there. That takes us to Max Crosby, and I know that Max got off to a really fast start uh, to his to his career uh, that rookie season, uh, and there's no doubt that he's shown an ability to get to the quarterback. Um, last year was not as good as his first year. Ironically enough, he played I think 200 more snaps last year compared to his rookie season. And I think that caught up to him a little bit. I think there was a point of uh, some diminished returns. I know injuries played a factor uh, as well, but also underlying of all that, there's also some flaws in his game that he needs to improve. Um, he needs to get better against the run. He needs to be more consistent. He needs to play more efficient snaps on the amount of snaps that he's playing. Um, where, where do you fall with, with Max Crosby? He catches a lot of attention because of the sacks, but overall there's some areas that he needs to improve in. Yeah, Crosby's interesting because if you would just look at, at the sacks between him and Farrell, you would say Crosby's been a lot more effective to start his career, uh, but when it comes to pressure rate, pass rush win rate, uh, our pass rushing grade, Farrell's actually been right there with him or a little bit above when it comes to grade over the first two years of his career. And I do think Crosby, there's a lot to like uh, with what he brings getting after the quarterback. And I think adding in Ngakwe and allowing him to to play fewer snaps, maybe get give a little bit more consistent effort in the snaps he's out there on the field uh, rather than wearing down, I do think that will help him out. And you might see him be a little bit more efficient next year. We're talking to uh, Ben Lindsay, uh, Ben Lindsay from Pro Football Focus, and uh, he's rated uh, one to thirty-two uh, a bunch of positions uh, in the NFL. I want to go to cornerback, um, and it's been a problem spot for the Raiders. Uh, I can already guess that uh, Damon Arnett um, has it did not land in the top thirty-two, and I'm not sure if Trayvon Mullen did uh, either. Um, but I think there's still future and still ceiling for both of those players and I think there's time for them uh, especially in David Arnett's case uh, to, to, to get better let's talk first about Trayvon Mullen um, and where do you fall with Trayvon Mullen where does pro football focus fall with Trayvon Mullen and is he, is he on the right track yeah I, I think Mullen he's someone who's graded in the, the high 50s low 60s for us over the first two years of his career so it's not great he has done a pretty good job of getting his hands on the ball making some plays um, but then on the flip side, he's gotten beat a little bit. And we've seen that with a lot of younger cornerbacks coming into the NFL recently, especially with that rookie class he had last year, throwing in Arnett. Um, Akuda had sort of a rough start. A lot of these guys who got drafted early um, it just had a little bit of trouble adjusting to the NFL. Uh, so I, I think Mullen, the fact that he's, he's gotten his hands on the ball, gotten some pass breakups in, that ball production is promising. Um, so if he can s- sort of cut out some of the negatives, uh, he does have have a chance to turn things around in, in Las Vegas. Damon Arnett, um, I tell people all the time, good luck getting a read on Damon Arnett last year. Uh, the guy w- looked, looked the part during training camp, and all of a sudden he showed up with a big club on his hand, uh, couldn't get in the weight room, lost strength, lost size, um, tried to play through it admirably, uh, kept 
getting more and more hurt until the point where he had to go undergo uh, uh, wrist surgery, hand surgery. Uh, missed about eight weeks, wasn't able to get into the weight room. The, la- the next time that I saw him at practice, I'm like, holy cow. Uh, he just didn't look physically like the player he was in training camp. And how can you? You can't get in the weight room when you have a big club uh, on yeah. your hand. So, you know, I know that Raider Nation is kind of freaking out about Damon Arnett. I still believe, like, maybe he will, maybe he won't. But don't base it on what happened last year because he, he played through an injury his enti- the entire season, and it set him back dramatically. Um, what kind of read did Pro Football Focus get on him? And do you take into account, you know, the guy was playing with one, one hand out there, and that prevented him from getting into the weight room. So it's just, you know, probably a distorted picture up until this point of Damon Arnett. Yeah, exactly. It's like you said, it's it's tough to really take a ton from that when you have a rookie season where you're already doing everything virtual uh, leading into the season. Then you get out there, you're hurt. Um, you never really get your footing. Uh, so that's a tough that's a tough spot to be in. So that, that's not going to be factored in um, to our grade uh, for him. But it's definitely something that you factor into the outlook looking forward. So I would really be interested to see how he comes out this next year um, and sort of. You can call, while his rookie season wasn't great, uh, there weren't a ton of positives to take away. Uh, it's also not something that I would overreact to uh, too much. You said that um, there's a, maybe a trend, I don't know, or maybe it was just a one-year trend of uh, difficulties for young cornerbacks. Um, is it a trend, or would you say that it was more um, confined to just last year? And can we make a case that guys just not being able to be in the building or have that that regular type of an offseason could have played a role in that? Yeah, I think it's it's sort of a trend in that uh, the way that the, the game is shifting towards offense and specifically passing offense, it's, it's just tough for these guys to come in and not miss a beat. Um, at the cornerback position, uh, especially at linebacker, where you're asked to do a lot of different things over the middle of the field, uh, these, these Kyle Shanahan offenses, these, these sort of play-action heavy offenses are really attacking um, guys who, who aren't ready, who don't realize that they can use their leverage. Um, they can use certain things in the defense to take away uh, routes rather than just covering the entire route themselves. Um, so I do think in that sense that it takes some of these guys time, uh, once again, the NFL, um, to really take a next step and, and progress. The one thing that, you know, it, it, to me is interesting about what you do is all you can go on is what's happened before, right? Um, but in what way has, especially with young players, what's happened before, are you able to take from that to project forward? And is there any kind of a formula uh, to maybe ease fans' concerns of some teams like, hey, you know, there were some flaws, but here's reasons to be optimistic about certain guys. Are, is there projectable numbers that when you guys do all the digging in that, that you, you can kind of see that it's not quite working out? but the future's still bright. Yeah, I think when you're looking, it's, if you can see it in flashes, um, you can see the high-level plays in flashes, you at least know it's there. Even if the consistency, the down-to-down play, being in the right spots, if that's not always there, that's usually something that tends to um, correct itself over time uh, and guys improve. They don't always improve, but if that's, that's usually the area where they will. Whereas a guy who's, who's able to get around the edge as a pass rusher, um, who has sort of rare athletic ability, um, the guys who have these traits, that's not necessarily going to change 
the farther they get into their careers. So I think what you're looking for is the ability to see that guys can do it. Um, and even progression as the year goes on, playing better later in the year, things like that, um, where the overall product wasn't all that great, there's at least signs for hope moving forward. We're talking to Ben Lindsay from Pro Football Focus. You can follow him at PFF underscore Lindsay. Ben, I just got to ask, am I detecting a Pittsburgh kind of accent there? Am I, am I on the right track with that? <laughs> I, I am I'm from Pennsylvania. I went okay. to the University of Pittsburgh, so yeah. All right. I, I was hearing it through the headphones. I'm like, this guy, or the headset. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm thinking Pennsylvania. I was thinking that was, that was That was a good year. All right. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I, I, I spent a lot of time back east, and it's so dramatic going from New York to Boston to Pennsylvania. It's all, it's slightly the same, but there's enough intricacies and differences uh, that you could tell uh, the differences from one region uh, to the next. And by the way, I appreciate you spending some time with us. If you were to give me two players overall in the NFL defensively uh, that, that you feel is, you know, on target to make a big step forward uh, this year. And if there's anyone on the Raiders that you feel, um, you know, are capable or are in positions to take big step forwards defensively this year, whether they're rookies or, or you know, second-year players or, or veterans, uh, who, who might they be? Yeah, in terms of the league overall, I think one guy is, we talked about a little bit before, but Brian Burns in that draft class. He's someone who... He got hurt his rookie year, sort of like Arnett. Um, got out to a really fast start and then really kind of struggled after the first few weeks. Uh, played a lot better last year. And I think he's someone who if he continues to add strength uh, to his frame and add a little bit more power element. He already has that bend around the edge, the spin move off of it. I think if he, he develops a little bit more of a bull rush, um, he's going, he has a chance to be one of the premier pass rushers in the NFL. As far as the Raiders, uh, he's not young necessarily, but Corey Littleton, someone who I think has a chance to play a lot better and, and closer to what they expected when they signed him last offseason. You could kind of see it at the end of the year. He was starting to get a little bit more comfortable. He's someone who graded really well for us in coverage with the Rams, and I don't think that just disappeared. Um, so maybe in Gus Bradley's defense, he's second year um, in Las Vegas. I think he can take a step forward back closer to how he played in Los Angeles. It's eerie that you just mentioned Corey Littleton because that was going to be my question about Corey Littleton. I covered him for three years in Los Angeles. I refuse to believe that he's forgotten how to play football. <laughs> um, yeah. I can't put my finger on what happened last year, but it was probably kind of an all-of-the-above type of a situation um, with the new scheme and lack of an offseason. There might have been some injuries that he was dealing with. Uh, but but one more time on, on him. Um, if you can maybe even tell Raider Nation what this guy is actually capable of doing, what we all saw on film in Los Angeles that just didn't quite happen uh, last year. Yeah, it's the linebacker position is not easy to play in the modern NFL. I would, I would make the argument it's one of the tougher positions to play just based off the ability to have to come down, um, fill gaps, play the run, and also run with these athletic tight ends, these wide receivers over the middle of the field. I think that second part is where Littleton really excelled in Los Angeles. Um, and, and it's a skill set that they, they can definitely use um, on that defense. So if, if he comes back and plays closer to that, it's going to go a long way towards helping them. I agree. Ben Lindsay, thanks so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Uh, we'd love to have you back at some point. Keep doing what you do. And, again, to everyone that's listening, go 
subscribe to Pro Football Focus. It is worth it. Ben, thanks so much, man. Have a good one. I appreciate it. Take care. You got it. That's Ben Lindsay from Pro Football Focus talking about some young Raiders and maybe even a not-so-young player uh, anymore anyway, uh, even though he's still a young man, uh, 28 years old, Corey Littleton. Could Corey Littleton have a big bounce-back year? Man, if he can, if he could get back to being the player that he was with the Rams in Los Angeles, it will go a long way toward getting this defense back on track uh, because then you add in Yannick Ngakwe, um, Clee Farrell continuing to get better, Damon Arnett, does he settle down and you know stay healthy, Trayvon Mullen continuing to, to play better, uh, Trayvon Morig, uh, the young safety from TCU, Jonathan Abram in a, in a different role, Nick Wachowski, who's a good solid player. Start looking at this defense and all of a sudden, it might not be so bad. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monster brought to you by Tequila Invader. No one gets you closer to the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. So, Damon, some big NBA games uh, happening uh, tonight. Uh, any? What's your big? What's your? What's your big takeaway so far from the NBA playoffs? That the league was afraid of the Memphis Grizzlies and that the playoffs are rigged. Yeah, I'm done watching. I'm boycotting until next season. Let's get serious. It was a nice season for the Memphis Grizzlies. What do you mean serious? Do you, you think I'm making this up? I mean, it, it's it time for me to bring up It was a really old... good year. I thought it was a really good year for, for the Grizzlies. Um, I don't think there were any conspiracy theories against them. I think that they're on their way. They've got, a, obviously, a, a star young player uh, in Ja. I think they're going to be, you know, there's some moves that they need to make. Um and I think it's been a great experience for for him just getting there. I mean, they basically won a playoff series when you think about it. They won a, a mini playoff series um, beating the, the San Antonio Spurs and the Golden State Warriors to get uh, to this point. And uh, I think that it was a fairly nice showing against the Utah Jazz um, in spite of, you know, not winning the series, obviously. Uh, but I, think I mean, I think that- they could have won this. They did win the series in my mind. Hey, you know what? Five. Welcome, welcome. You know, when you when you sign up for being a sports fan, what you ultimately are are what, one of the things that you're signing off on is that your heart can get ripped out of your chest and crushed and handed back to you. So it's we're, we, we've all had to go, go through it. Um, your pain. Yeah, you're going to no, go through it tonight. So yeah, jump on the bandwagon, buddy. Lakers are going down. Yeah, and and I'm okay with that. You know, uh, I'm I'm fine with that. Injuries have definitely caught up. With the uh, with the Lakers, but but seriously, uh, anything that you know, anything that's that's jumped out at you about the uh, playoffs so far? That the champion has got to come out of the East. It looks like I mean, the East is just stacked those top three seeds, and the West is looking like no offense, a bunch of B plus teams are going to all be in the semis next round. How much? Looking why, like the Clippers uh, looking like the Clippers not going to make it. The Lakers not going to make it. L.A., not an elite sports town, but yeah, all well, those other teams are just B-plus teams. Like, if you go Embiid or Giannis or Kevin Durant, like, those top three players, like, right. who you pick? Like, oh, over Damian Lillard? Yeah, give me the team from the East. Over Jokic? Give me the team from the East. 
Yeah, and uh, Over I agree the jazz? with you. I, the team from the no, East. No, no, no. Yeah, I you know what's what's killed the West is number one, the Golden State Warriors not being completely healthy uh, for the second straight year, basically, and 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 number two in these playoffs, and it's just been a tough go for the Lakers all year long, staying healthy. It just shows you you know how important health is. I think I think completely healthy, obviously, the Lakers. Um, they they stack up against anybody. Um, the, the the surprise to me though is definitely the Clippers, and I, I shouldn't be surprised. I've seen this play out so many times. Now they can you know they can turn it around. Um, you know maybe they go to Dallas and win, and force a game seven in Los Angeles, and 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 beat the the Dallas Mavericks. But in the whole big scheme of things, I'm not sure what that would even mean. Um, you know moving forward. How, what's your level of surprise at, at just how it's not come together for the, for the Clippers? It's about expected. I mean, it's, you know, it's like putting on an Angels jersey. You can be good anywhere else, you know, but once you put on that jersey, it's just some just changes. You know, I think I think that's that's the biggest simplification because last night oh, was that no, two nights ago where you saw the Mavericks they just like out schemed them they started Boban played a little zone and it was just like man the Clippers had no answer and Luca. The shots that he were he was missing in game three and four, he just started to make them. All right, so if if, uh, if you were to draft the under you know under twenty five uh, years old, all right, who's who's your who's your top three picks under twenty five in the NBA? Ja, Luca, Zion. Ja first. You heard me. What am I going to do? <laughs> Come on, it's like it's like when a player says like it was like, "Oh, do you not expect your team to win? What do you want me to say? We're going to lose?" No. Man, I'm riding with if, my guy yeah. to the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I think Jaws a tremendous player. Um the kid from Dallas is just he's he's really really good. Um I think Z- I can't argue with Zion. Uh, there's some really good NBA young NBA players. Uh, I say this all the time and I've been watching the game for a long long time. Uh, I, it always there's always a new crop coming up, and there's always it's always it's rare that it hasn't been in good hands. I think there was a it's it's always been in good hands. When I think about the NBA for the last thirty some odd years, for the most part, it's always been in good hands. There's somebody that is worthy. You know what I'm saying? Like like and it's uncanny how it's how it's worked out there. Worked out that way, especially from, you know, the 80s on with Magic and the Showtime Lakers and then uh, the Pistons for a, a minute or two. They were that was a great team and obviously the Celtics or excuse me, the um, you know, the Bulls, the Celtics were 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 in there as well. Um, the San Antonio Spurs were worthy champions. Um, then the Lakers came back. So, uh, it's great to see, and I'm uh, looking forward to the NBA games tonight. We'll see what happens with the Lakers. Thanks so much for joining us today, 3 to 5. Uh, we are off tomorrow because the uh, Vegas uh, Aviators are playing again. Uh, we will be back at it on Monday, and it's 3 to 5 on Monday as well because I believe the uh, Aviators are, are playing again um, on Monday, same time. So 3 to 5 on, on Monday. We will see you then. We'll send out all the uh, notifications on social media what time the show actually is. Um, next week getting back into the facility to watch practice on Wednesday. Can't wait for that. Uh, we'll have everything for you. You guys enjoy the weekend. want to say thanks to DeMond Cotton. Thanks for everything you do. Every, all the listeners, all the callers, all the, our guests today. Thanks. Have a great weekend. We will talk to you guys on Monday.